Hi, welcome to the Questionable Show, Episode 2. My name is Quest. My player in the NSFL is Tatsu Nakamura, running back for the Orange County Otters. Welcome to the second episode of the podcast. If you didn't check it out last episode, the first episode, I was uh, joined by Cola Bear, CLG Rampage, and Adwire87 to do uh, a recap of the draft, uh, which was a really great episode. I had a lot of fun doing that. Thank you again to the guys that came on to help me record that and kind of go over the draft with me. And uh, thanks to everybody that ended up listening there. Uh, there was a couple of, uh, of comments made later about um, us maybe labeling people as busts and that being too early. I just wanted to clarify, um, even though I've done this on the forums, that the whole purpose of that episode was to kind of analyze the t- decisions that teams and war rooms were making um, and that we were very intentional to try and be very positive about players in the league and uh, everybody there hopes for the best for everybody in the teams that they got picked. And uh, yeah, if, if you listen, the episode is really hard for us to kind of nitpick any decisions because it really was a really loaded draft. Uh, and I'm really proud to be a, a part of that class that's, I think, really loaded with a lot of talent and a lot of people that are really finding a lot of ways to make the league better and be super invested. And so that's been something I've been really happy and proud to be part of. Uh, so on today's episode, I wanted to go ahead and go over some questions. I put out a, a post on the forums asking for some questions. wanted to go ahead and do something here towards the beginning of the season uh, just to kind of get my feeling uh, and the feeling of the league going into the beginning of the season and then something uh, to recap around the end, probably after Ultimus. Um, so yeah, uh, we are four games into the season for the NSFL. We've had our first two weeks of DSFL football with the next two weeks happening tonight, uh, Tuesday, May 5th. Um, and so excited to see what uh, the Pythons uh, can do this week, as well as, you know, everybody else. A lot of exciting people in S23 and a lot of really great people that are sticking around from S21 and S22 and uh, even further behind that. But um yeah, it'll be some exciting DSFL football to watch tonight. Uh, Otters have been doing really well. Um, yesterday, maybe not the the event we were looking for, but um, we have a couple of um, of you know probably easier matches to finish off the rest of the week. So we're going to look to rebound after that. Still really excited about the um, the beginning of the season as a whole. If we look at it, I mean. Let me pull up the index on things here real quick. Because we are 3-1. The biggest win there being week two at New Orleans. Probably what I view right now is maybe being the biggest competitor in the conference. But um, maybe that's something we'll address and talk about later on. Um, so yeah, getting the win at New Orleans, starting the season with a home win to Honolulu. It was a really big defensive game for us. Getting a win away at the Austin Copperheads. Um, being able to kind of capitalize on their week, their first week of, of, of struggles in those first three games. Um, 
so it's really nice to get that away game win and then not have to face them until we face them at home in week 11 because I really do think with the kind of infrastructure there that they have there, um, I have a lot of faith that Austin, especially with the roster they have, is going to start making a comeback here in the last half of the season, really trying to push for one of those playoff spots. Uh, and then, yeah, the disappointing loss, 24-17 to at home to the San Jose Sabercats. So that really... That really hurt. The offense kind of stalled out. So, um, yeah, especially kind of being a big part of that loss. Want just to, you know drive drive me to want to try and get better and get my player better and yeah, at least a little bit of pressure. I know I know Moonlight Frank Armstrong was saying um, at least that pressure is off from having an undefeated season because that's definitely not happening now. Um, yeah, so we'll look again at this at the end of the season, but I'm really hopeful and really excited for the last half of the season for the Otters. I think it's going to be, I guess we're not even halfway through, but the, the latter part of the season after this first four weeks, I think is going to go really well. We've got a good schedule coming ahead of us, um, taking the next two games to a, a home game against Arizona, going away to Chicago. Um, and then the next week after that's going to be a little bit tougher, you know, home with the Colorado Yeti, home with the Sarasota Sailfish, and away to Honolulu. Honolulu and Sarasota as expansion franchises have actually looked really good, especially Honolulu after that first week where we kind of stomped them a little bit. But Sarasota especially is a little bit scary, so it's nice to have them at home as well as having Colorado at home. Uh, so looking forward to those. Uh, going to go ahead and get into the questions here. First question coming in from Saba Donut Man. Thanks, Saba, for dropping in first. Uh, Saba being one of the kind of leadership figures at uh, Portland uh, and working together with me in the war room. The first question he had was, how was the Speed Survivor game, and should our alliance have won? If you guys didn't participate in this speed, this first of all, to the people that did participate in the uh, the Survivor game as well as the two people that ran, ran the survivor game being rain delay and um i don't know why i am now blanking on the name of the other person that ran it but i can pull up the discord pretty quickly to make sure that i have that information um that being i can't, I, I honestly can't tell if this is slm or if it's sim like a capital i in the middle so someone's going to have to correct me in the comments when I post this, but uh, both of those guys did a really great job of running that, and it was a really cool, creative, and interesting event. Um, I did have, coming out of the blue team, I did have an alliance with um, Saba and Dave that was really successful for the first like third of the game, but being really successful kind of got targets on our back. Um, and even though we had a bunch of immunity idols between the few of us, we kind of... Um, started getting picked off one by one. So should our alliance have won? Not really. I think we were maybe too strong off the bat and a little bit too controlling right off the bat, getting a lot of resources and getting ourselves called out. I definitely made a, a few mistakes, mistakes, um, which ended up getting myself sniped by Jade Doctor and Bassoon that kind of... I never should have t told Bassoon that I had an immunity idol, but I was trying to use it as like a, a peace measure. Um, yeah, and you know, Blissoon paid the price for the very next week, so, you know, that's your decision. Um, but the Speed Survivor game went really well. Um, 
Unfortunately, that alliance was just not not going to last too long. I ended up having to kind of betray Dave. I ended up voting for Dave and not using my immunity idol to save him just because he had such a big target on his back from kind of being very vocal and also doing really well in all the challenges. So, yeah, really big target on our back there. I had to kind of try and betray him and make my own alliance, which didn't really work from there. So... Uh, what are some goals, some of your goals for your player? Another question from Saba. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, I think it's kind of similar to the, the PT question we had this uh, last week, this first week of the season. Um, you know, if I, th I think if I'm looking like long-term goals for my player, I want Tatsu Nakamura to become a Hall of Fame player. Um, not necessarily because of like the end goal of like reaching that, because of like more so because of all the things that you have to do to kind of get to that position, which is be, you know, a very recognized person in the league, uh, a player that performs well regularly, and a player that is part of a team and helps execute their role on the team to the degree that that team is regularly able to compete for and win championships, which is, I think, the primary goal for me as a player and for me as a part of Orange County, which is a part of why I'm so excited to be here in Orange County. Um, yeah, I think that's most of it. I think, I, I, yeah, I think I want to have a player that is well-recognized in the league as part of a team that is well-considered like, um, and well-respected. Yeah. Uh, last question from Saba was what uh, what food combos are sins? I think the really obvious one for me is like pineapple on pizza. I think that's kind of atrocious. Um, but I, I think I think it's a sin. I think it's I think it's something that you shouldn't do. Uh, but I also think we shouldn't attack people for committing sins. You know, people make their own decisions. Um, but yeah, that one's pretty bad. I think the one that I don't think we talk about enough, but I think is more personal for me, is peas in fried rice. I think that's just... And I've seen corn in fried rice too, which is disgusting. But like peas I've seen, I see pretty regularly at your like local Asian like small restaurant. I just... It's, it's such a bad, like, flavor and texture to have in fried rice. I think it's really, I think it's really atrocious. So peas and fried rice, I think, is going to be my number one. Any other food combos that are sins? I didn't have any, any, any other that I thought uh, ahead of time. But if you guys have any other ones and you want to uh, continue this conversation, I don't know why this is always such a big conversation in the league, but feel free to drop a reply to the to the forum post if you have any other food combos you want to talk about. And uh, thanks again to Saba for dropping in the first questions here. Um, next questions are going to come from Silfreni here, uh, a rookie in the league, actually, a season uh, 23 guy uh, with the player Greedy Sly, who went number one overall in the DSFL draft. Uh, I think I think quite deservingly. I had, I had, I had Silf going number one in my... Uh, DSFL mock initially, but I had mixed up Dallas and London, and so I just ended up swapping all of those picks because it was easier, but yeah, Sylph definitely deserved number one in the DSFL draft, and I think as well on his way to being number one on, in the NSFL draft as well. Um, 
so yeah, there's a little bit of, because I know Sylph will listen to this, there's a little bit of uh, well-deserved ego stroking. Um, Sylph asked, what about podcasts inspired you to start making them? Um, I really enjoy podcasts in the NFL, NSFL, which is part of why I really love Sylph, is that he puts out so much good podcast content. Um, yeah, I really love podcasts in my regular life, especially around sports. I, re- I listen pretty regularly to the Around the NFL podcast. Um, I also listen to Fantasy Footballers for some, like, some fantasy uh, help as well, since I'm in a dynasty league and want to kind of get the leg up um, in there. Um, but yeah, I love love podcasts for all sorts of things. Um, I think I think why I really love podcasts in the NSFL is that I really feel like they expand they expand the kind of reality of the league. Not in, like, the sense that, like, I'm more immersed in, like, the kind of world of the NSFL, although I think that's part of it, but more like, um, like, when I'm looking in Discord and looking on the forums, it's a little bit harder for me to be like, this is a real thing with real people, but when I'm listening to podcasts, especially, I, I, the reason I wanted to do the first podcast, having people on, I think having people in the league directly interacting and talking to each other is something that we don't have enough of. And I think that's really cool to be able to listen in on or be a part of. Um, so yeah, I really love podcasts. I think they're a, the most real and personal part of the NSFL experience. And so, yeah, I want to keep contributing to that and keep consuming as much of that stuff as possible. So yeah, go ahead and give, give Silfrenny's podcasts a listen as well. Sylph just put out an episode with the Commissioner Bex, which I have yet to listen to yet, but knowing how well Sylph Rennie does with this podcast, I'm sure it's going to be great. So that's probably going to get, I'm probably going to listen to that about as soon as I get off this and start recording this. So definitely give him a check out there. Um, Yeah, great question. The second question that Sylph had was, if you had to bet your entire bank on a team other than the Otters winning the Ultimus, who would it be and why? Which is tough, because I've just gotten to, like, the most money that I've ever had. I have about $30 million in the bank right now. Um, kind of as I've accelerated in and, you know, been, a, been more of a part of writing media that I didn't really expect to. Um, the DSFL mock draft, which was about 3,000, over 3,000 words, um, kind of came together at the last moment. I didn't really expect to, and then I ended up staying up till like, 4 a.m. doing that. Um, but that made me a good chunk of money. I don't know. I've just been putting out stuff that I've been enjoying doing, and that's kind of come with building up the bank. But to the real question here, and kind of the bigger question of, like, who at the... We're four games in. I think that's about the quarter mark, or that's, like, the third mark of the season. Um, 13 games. So, yeah, that's basically the one-third mark of the season already, which is kind of crazy to think about. But who to look like the favorites right now? Um, I think you have to include Colorado in that conversation. Um, Even if we talk about the NSFC kind of getting slept on and kind of being considered a lower tier conference than the ASFC, I think you have to kind of respect where Colorado is right now, being the only undefeated team left in the league and um, knowing that the last... Last season, the last undefeated team ended up winning the whole thing. Um, 
definitely want to see some more big wins from Colorado. So far, the biggest win we've seen from Colorado in the regular season has been a home game with the Wraiths, which they did really well in. We, but that's it's also week one, and teams are still figuring out their strategies for the season. And Yellowknife's been a really hot and cold team. They did go 1-1 one one with New Orleans in the preseason. Weirdly enough, losing to New Orleans at home and beating New Orleans um, in New Orleans' home stadium. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how this team kind of stacks up with other teams um, in the league. They really don't have many challenges in the rest of the season. I mean, they've got two games against Sarasota, who are looking like a pretty good team in that conference. They've got an away matchup with Orange County, uh, with my team that's going to be tough, uh, and an away matchup with Yellowknife. So it's going to be hard to really have a good beat on Colorado going into the playoffs, and I do anticipate Colorado to be at least the number one seed in the NFC, NSFC. Um, so definitely keep an eye on them. If I was to do this at the beginning of the season, I would definitely say New Orleans. They are 2-2 two and two right now, just having lost to Austin. Um, that was Austin's home game. Still a tough rest of the season here. Um, gonna have to look at how New Orleans bounces back here. Really, I don't think New Orleans has been able to get their run game going in the same way that they had were able to last season. So I'm going to put a little bit of X to doubt on uh, New Orleans. The other team that looks really good right now, and I'm really not sure if they're for real or not, is San Jose. San Jose lost 23-14 to at New Orleans, and since then have beaten Arizona, Honolulu, and at Orange County. So really hard, to, again, to get a beat on San Jose. But really right now, if I was going to put my money on anybody, at this point in the season, it would have to be San Jose being able to beat my team, Orange County, being on a great three-win streak, having a really close game with New Orleans at New Orleans. Um... Yeah, really hard to say, but uh, if I was going to do it right now, I think the safe bet is always to put your money on the number one seed in the ASFC, and right now that's that's San Jose, unfortunately for me but and uh, the team. But yeah, again, if there was if if the stipulation other than the Otters wasn't here, I would definitely put the money on the Otters. I think uh, despite the fall to San Jose, we've still got the best bet in the league to win the Ultimus. Uh, I think we've got pretty good favorable matchups against the other powerhouses in our conference, and I think we're going to do really well against Colorado next week, so look for that. Uh, what are your general thoughts on the new League Casino is the last question from Silfreni. The League Casino, I think, is a really interesting idea, um, and I think it's really interesting for the people that wanted that and that participate in betting more. For me... I don't think the odds and the payouts are worth it from a making money perspective. And from like a personal perspective on the idea of it, I'm not really that interested um, in the league casino. Um, yeah, I just, it, it, you know, I think that's just a personal thing. Um, I, it, the, 
the things in the league casino seem kind of repetitive of things we already do with 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 weekly predictions being a big part of the NSFL experience making TPE. So it feels a little repetitive to make um, bets on on lines for the week. Um, I'm also just generally I don't know enough about betting to like like there's a lot of terminology um, that goes into understanding. Um, I think certain parts of the casino that I don't really understand from an outside perspective, and I'm not really interested in understanding. I'm sure there's a lot of people um, in that kind of community that have worked to get that started that would be really great at um, being able to explain that if someone else is interested. And I definitely, if people are interested in the idea of it, I definitely encourage people to get in there, start talking with people, work on ways to improve it, or uh, just getting involved at the, at the very base level. But Ultimately, I don't think that's a really interesting idea to me. Um, I like making the weekly predictions, but I don't know that I like putting my money down on it. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to hold on to my money for now. Um, I think it'd be fun, maybe if the League Casino ran monthly or semi-monthly events like, uh, like, you know, other casino stuff. Like if they had, like poker nights or whatever where you could bet league dollars and yeah i think that would be actually really interesting so um if anybody from the kind of league casino team is listening to that i would be interested if something like that came out and would love to hear more about any ideas like that to kind of not just have the league casino because you know you look at user bets they're not always stuff based exactly on the league so i think we could buff out the league casino to maybe include traditional casino events that I think would be interesting, like playing games like Blackjack or or Hold'em Poker to um, spend some league money on. Yeah, I think that could be really interesting. Um, and so Franny said, love the content you put out. Thank you. Um, you know, just being in one episode, but I'm glad that you listened to and enjoyed that. And I definitely have been enjoying your content, as I said at the beginning. So thanks again to Silfrenny for dropping some questions. The next person that dropped into thread is Revolution Five. Uh, Revolution. It's always it's super confusing because you have Revolution. Uh, the I'm forgetting where Chester Sweets ended up uh, ended up going in the draft, and I kind of feel bad about it, but I know he was with Kansas City. Um, but those those two are always confusing. Um, but yeah, Revolution. I definitely know now as one of my. GMs in Orange County, a really good guy that I've enjoyed having a couple of conversations with, uh, and definitely a great GM. Uh, Revolution dropped in the first question, said, is the is wearing the orange jersey slimming, or does it bring out your love handles on the field? Here's the thing. We have a light orange color. Light colors, I think, as clothing naturally add a bit of emphasis on you know i, I think darker colors are, are going to tend to be more slimming and uh, i did also just add <laughs> i did also just add 10 play uh, 10 pounds to my player's weight in my update sheet so uh I, ha I would have to say it's probably it probably seems to be bringing out a little bit more weight but nakamura is still only 225 so i think we're <laughs> i think we're okay i do love the orange jersey i love especially putting like doing jersey swaps on a player like Warren Moon for Armstrong because I think the like retro look with that orange crush orange is just it looks so good and I can imagine um 
the Orange County jerseys, if they were, like, in the NFL, having a very, like, kind of like those Miami Dolphins throwbacks kind of look, like that, like that kind of shoulder stripe, and, um, yeah, just changing that over to the kind of orange crush color. Um, oh, dang, it would look really good. I love Orange County's branding. Um, I might have to go over in another, but I dropped in the... There was a big thing in the media articles channel in Discord, uh, maybe last week or something, about um, tier listing the NF NSFL logos. Uh, and I think a lot of people are criminally underrating the Otters, because the Otters should be an, an S-plus tier logo it's, and like branding overall. I think it's really great. Um, next question from Revolution was what has been your favorite play this season um, it's been really interesting um, you know I haven't really paid too much attention to like individual plays in other games but definitely there's a few memorable ones that stand out to me uh, for the Otters week one um, versus Honolulu my first regular season game in the NSFL and with the Otters it was really special to be able to run the ball in for a touchdown in that first game. So I think that definitely has to be up there. If I was going to put, like, I think a play that has defined the, this team's season in this first third of the season, it would have to be one of the two touchdown plays week two at New Orleans. Um, I think there's definitely a case to be made for the Casey Dream pick six um, to kind of seal up the game really being a great play by by Casey Dream, also being Casey Dream's first pick in the league, being able to seal up a game against a critical opponent uh, in an away game, I think is really, I think that's a really amazing story um, and really cool, something we should keep talking about. Um, I think for me, if I was about to say like a, a critical pay on offense for that game, it was the touchdown run from Franklin Armstrong kind of going on like a power quarterback run off to the right, uh, which we've kind of seen a few times through this season where, where Armstrong can rip off like a 30-yard run, but a uh, 15-yard touchdown run from there, and uh, I was in on the play kind of getting around, sealing a block on the outside, and um, I just think quarterbacks running in the league quarterback running in football i think it's just a, like an immediately really cool thing just on face value so um that was the first touchdown in the game it's the only offensive touchdown of that whole game and it really we were it, we were down nine to six so that really just brought us up and made me kind of confident in the end of the game like really we can we can pull this off like like the offense is doing something we're contributing here and the whole team is putting together a really great win for the team what might be our marquee win of the season, honestly. Um, and a really, really important team for us looking looking forward. Um, last question from Revolution. Uh, it looks like you've made a few pancakes on the field. Was this a, on a conscious effort made in the offseason or something else? Well, I definitely haven't improved my blocking stats at all. I think I may have put like five points in in my initial 50 into like blocking, but... Yeah, I was looking up the stats, and I've got uh, five pancakes uh, on the season. I, again, I don't know really where those have come from. Just kind of, I guess, if, if this, like, 215-pound small Asian guy is, is sprinting at you really quick, he can probably unseat 
I don't know, like a small linebacker. I don't, I don't know where those blocks are coming from that are giving me pancakes. I think the stat I worry about more is the two sacks allowed. So maybe I do need to put some, uh, some, uh, a little bit of help into those blocking stats. It's not, it's not too much in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, maybe I should work, worry about speed first though. But uh, thanks again to Revolution for dropping in and asking a few questions. The next questions here are coming from Valor, um, who has two players in the league right now, technically, with Ryan Leaf Jr. being with the Austin Copperheads for his last season, uh, as well as having Videl Son, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, um, with the Portland Pythons this season as a wide receiver. So it's been really good to have, have Valor in the locker room um, and really lucky for us given... I don't know. I, I think people are really... I think people are really way too easily freaked out about pers like having any kind of level of personality in the league. That's why you've seen Valor drop in the DSFL draft and people like Zamir Kayla drop in the NSFL draft. And I think we kind of... I don't know. I think there are a lot of people that have the same personalities and half of them are really well perceived because they're kind of in with like cool clicks and there are some people that are not and so their their value drops for whatever i don't know um definitely something i think we should keep thinking about as we try and improve the kind of culture of league as a whole but valor had a few questions that i think are really good he said since you're become you've became the sim tester for portland what was the hardest thing to do first thing I'm not really the sim tester for Portland. Like, I don't even have the sim tester role in the Portland locker room. It was really just a matter of, um, I think Toasty usually helps a lot with the sims, and he's been, uh, or they've been pretty busy recently. And, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I've really only just started joining the war room this season in Portland, so... I'm not really sure what the kind of history of doing sim testing is. I don't know if AC used to do any of it. I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Um, but what I was seeing was just, you know, Kanako getting kind of... I think Kanako is kind of getting overloaded with a lot of stuff since AC um, had to leave the Pythons. So uh, there's a little bit of stress, I think, on, on their side about uh, where the strategies were and... Um, I was really definitely not happy with the first couple weeks of performances, which were really due to uh, an update error and a DC error. But you know, in part, I think I think uh, I was interested in taking a look at sim testing, and um, yeah, so I just uh, I just stepped in this week and was just like, hey, does do people have information on sim testing? I'll, I'll take a crack and look at it, and I I tested, I did like. I don't know, like 3,000 sims, just testing a few like a few strategies and a few variations trying to up Portland's win percentage for this next week, and hopefully those schemes pan out. The hardest thing to do in sim testing was definitely setting everything up. I had a few issues along the way with uh, setting up Quick Ketchup and Python and PyCharm. Pi I'm just really not familiar with any of that stuff. So I was, it was a lot of Googling and a lot of tabs open on a lot of different issues I was having, but we're there now. I'm in a good place where I have a good workflow for doing it. Um, it's just a matter of 
actually doing it and maybe learning more about how I should be testing and uh, how to train. Because I think it's pretty easy to like, here's our strategy. I'm going to start tweaking stuff to try and improve the win percentage. But at that point, you're just digging further into the same hole. And sometimes you need to try different ground if you're really going to strike gold uh, and stop drilling in the same hole that you're that you are. But, um, you know, able to kind of raise up the win percentages by about 5 to 10% for uh, this next week. So that was something that I was happy with doing and uh, starting to put those uh, strategies into place. We'll see how that works out uh, tonight. I'm really excited to see how Portland does, really hoping for it to go well. Um, next question from Valor is, why should the Otters consider drafting me? I think number one consideration is that I do think given how things looked in the DSFL draft and how I think attitudes across the league has been I do think you're going to go much later than you should um, so I think whoever ends up picking up you Valor is going to get a lot of value out of wherever they pick you um, given that as far as fit for wide receiver on the team I went ahead and looked over kind of the general where wide receiver looks as a position for the Otters. We have Hugh Mongo, who is starting to age, but they're still at 1,200 TPE, so uh, Specs player there is going to have at least a few more seasons. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to see where they go. And then uh, Lemons player who's listed as future trunks in the index but uh, or in the TPE tracker but I believe I believe they've changed their name to Curacido or something. Um so we've got a couple of really solid starting wide receivers right now and we did draft a couple in S22. Um uh Rem Curacido is a is an S21 player, Lemons player. Um, so they're still coming up, there, but they're already almost at, they're about 450 TPE. And then we did pick up two wide receivers. I'm not sure how Kevin Coe has been doing, if I'm honest. Um, but I know uh, GWD Johnson, Garfield Des Despacito Jr. has been a pretty regular participant in the Discord. So I'm not exactly sure that um, wide receiver is necessarily a need for the for the Otters right now to go in the S22 draft. Um, but I definitely think we could get our, our next Humongo if we decided to go on that path uh, and pick you up in whatever round you end up dropping to. Uh, but that kind of goes into the next question that you had, Valor, here, which is if I were to switch to fill up a hole in OCO, where, uh, where would I switch to and why? Um, I think where would you switch to? I think first depends on what you want to do. Um, it seems that you're maybe more invested in having an offensive player. Um, in that case, I think the only really other position you could look at as needing to be re refreshed on the offense for Portland, or for, sorry, for Orange County, um, is the quarterback position with Moonlight being an S15 player. On the other hand, there are... I don't think the, I don't think Orange County has drafted a. Uh, I didn't actually look back at S twenty draft earlier, but I don't think we drafted a quarterback player anytime recently. 
but there are there are a lot of S22 quarterbacks and um, a few quarterbacks older than that that um, have been slowly building up the numbers that I think I think starting to try and move into quarterback now would be a really hard uh, hard time to do. I, I again looking over the TPE tracker, the other two position, uh, the other I guess I did have three positions. Um, kicker and corner are are two positions that are starting to get older on the team, uh, and um, are positions that we haven't seen investment in for the last couple of seasons. So I think that could definitely be a position to look at switching into. But the number one position that I see Orange County needing to address is linebacker. Um, if you look at the TPE tracker for for um, for linebacker for Orange County, we have an S13 player and an S15 player, that being Ginsburg and Lanzer Grievous. So they've definitely been doing the job for us and, and kind of helping in there. Uh, maybe not so much Ginsburg as he's regressed down to 239 TPE. Um, but then we did, we drafted Deshaun Jones as a defensive tackle, but ended up moving him to the linebacker position. And he's been doing a good job there, but I think grabbing a second linebacker to pair in there as well uh, is going to be a really important part of the draft strategy. So if I was going to say, if I, if I was going to say a position to switch to, and I haven't, um, there are a couple of good-looking players in that in the linebacker position. I know Heinrich Kakpu with the um, Portland Pythons could be a target there, but um, at linebacker, but uh, not sure how that position is going to fare in other locker rooms and how big of a priority that's going to be for the Orange County Otters. But if I was going to say a number one priority and a number one position to switch to, I would say linebacker should definitely be a target there. Um, but again, I mean, if there's another team that could use you more at wide receiver, and um, if that's a position that you're invested in, I would definitely say stick with it. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's more important to, I, I think people put a lot of emphasis leading up to drafts on saying that you're willing to like be open to position switch and that'll improve your draft stock. But I think it's much more important to be in a position you want to play and be in a position that you're excited about having a player in than moving up 10 spots in the draft. Like, I, it just, yeah. Just just play whatever position you want to. Um, I hope you get drafted to somewhere that you really enjoy. Um, try not to worry about your draft stock too much. I do think it's going to be um, something... I do feel like your position in the draft is going to drop way more than it should. Um, but I absolutely support you going wherever you're going to go. And uh, I don't know, you already created an amazing player um, that got up to be one of the best in the league uh, at running back. So I don't see why. Um, I think teams should anticipate you doing that at whatever position you decide to play for this player and i don't know why a team wouldn't be excited to pick you really high uh, so good luck on that thank you again for asking any questions uh for asking those three questions and uh yeah that brings us to our last person that dropped in for some questions here uh that being tesla and um yeah tesla had some really great questions thank you for dropping in uh 
this morning at 425. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what time zone you are on, but I appreciate you coming in and dropping some more questions. Uh, Tesla said hello and good time appropriate greeting to you. Thank you, Tesla. Good time appropriate greeting to you as well. Um, hope that you're doing well and have a good time recording. Yeah, I'm definitely having a good time. I'm going to take this, this chance to just... I hope I haven't been going too fast speaking for you. Um, I don't know if there's a function to slow down in uh, SoundCloud where I'm probably going to upload this, but uh, that might be a good idea. But given the state of my lungs right now, I've definitely been talking a little bit too quickly and incessantly. So we're all going to take, how about let's all do this together. Since Tess was such a wonderful person, let's, let's do good, healthy, measurements to make ourselves better and just take three big deep breaths right now great i'm feeling a lot better now that was really good i think we all during these crazy times need to take the opportunity to <laughs> take a breath so thanks for checking in tesla um tesla has a few great questions here the first question from tesla tesla says what drew you to the running back position and if you had to play a different position what position would you choose i think a lot of what drove me when i was pulling up uh the nsfl after pulling up a link on reddit on my phone and laying in bed looking at it was just what positions do I like more and what kind of players have I admired in in football growing up and being a fan um, I'm a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles so I think a lot of the players that I admire and have grown to really love kind of in part come from that fandom so if I look at players like Brian Westbrook or LaShawn McCoy, um, I think the running back position is a really great position. And uh, I really admire a lot of the people that play that position. Um, I think I, I just think a lot of the greatest people to ever play football have played running back. And I think, it's, um, I think it's a really impactful position. I think it's a really visible position. I think it's an undervalued position to be sure, but it's still very, like, it's very visible. I, um, like, I remember going to a, um, a Seahawks game in in Seattle while Beast Mode was still, and while Marshawn Lynch was still at the at the height of his prime, and um, it was really it was really amazing because he he had a really it was like a it was like an eight yard run up the middle, I think. It was like the first time he ran the ball during the game. And I just heard this big sound of what I thought was like, what immediately sounded like like booing. Because um, it's this very like deep, round sound coming from the whole stadium. Um, and it was them all just like, it was everybody in sync just going, beast. Um, and that was really cool. Um, yeah, I just think, I think, I think some of the coolest play i think honestly like there are some great catches as well and some great um interceptions or like tackles and defensive plays but i think the most memorable plays 
in football are running plays, primarily by running backs. Um, if you look at highlights from Barry Sanders or Mar- Marshawn Lynch or LaShawn McCoy, um, all these different types of running backs that are still able to um, make a really big impact. And I think it's just really cool, especially like breaking away on a long run on like a, on like a trap play or a, or a dive play is so cool. Cause you just kind of go, they kind of enter the, they enter the line of scrimmage and they enter like the mass of people and then just shoot out. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of sentimental, obviously I seem to have a lot of sentimental value tied up in running back. Uh, so I think that's why I'm, I was I was adamant, uh, um, or pretty adamant in DSFL and NSFL drafts about staying with running back, and I'm uh, really glad to be um, with a team that needs me and uh, that I can contribute a lot of value at the running back position uh, with. Uh, to the question, if I had to play a different position, um, I think it would definitely come back to the same kind of sentimental questions and like players and. Um, positions that I've admired and have a lot of um, sentimental feelings for. Um, so I think that would be maybe cornerback or safety. A uh, quarterback. Sorry. Quarterback or safety. Um, definitely being a running quarterback kind of. That's I think that's a big reason of why I really like Franklin Armstrong in the league is because I think he's Franklin Armstrong and Wolfie McDummy are the best running quarterbacks in the league, and I really love, even with those tiny little circles on the sim, I really love seeing a quarterback run. I don't know why it's so exciting for me, but um, running quarterbacks have always been um, something I've really loved and admired. Um, Donovan McNabb, maybe not the most running quarterback, but definitely a quarterback I um, admired and kind of... um, was a big part of me growing up and learning and learning to love football. Um, Michael Vick with his tenure with the Eagles, definitely another player that I really uh, enjoyed. Um, Don't want that to become a a thing about getting deeper into uh, his personal life. I definitely think he, you know, did some awful things and paid plenty of prison time for it and changed and, um, came out being a good just everything I've seen from reading his book and seeing how he interacted with the team and played for the team and also just like that to let those like 2010 2011 seasons where he's just electric for the Eagles that was so cool I loved it it was so great um if you want to look up like Miracle at the Meadowlands part two he was a big part of that comeback or uh the game the same season against the Washington team where he tears up Washington all both great games that I that are forever a part of my like my memories as a as a fan of the Eagles and as a fan of football. Um, Lamar Jackson, you know, a great example of a of somebody that's that's taken the run game for a quarterback and um, kind of helped that have a renaissance. Um, so yeah, really exciting. I love I love running quarterbacks, and then safety. I think. Um, if there was ever a favorite defensive player for me, it was definitely Brian Dawkins being this guy that's able to, I think Brian Dawkins was like one of the first players for me of of like my memory of having this kind of all over the field presence. 
And I think you've seen more players like that, like Malcolm Jenkins and Teron Matthew, that are like these all over the field safeties and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas that like they fly around all over the place and hit hard and cover and make picks and make plays. Um, I think safety is the coolest position in defense, if I was going to say. So I think if I was going to play a defensive position, that would be it. Um, and then, you know, offensive or defensive line, I would definitely consider. Um, I played both of those positions when I did play uh, high school football. So, yeah, absolutely in for fair rubs. Um, and I think our D-line needs to be recognized more as well. I think D-line is one of those positions that gets undervalued because you can kind of hit peak efficiency pretty early in your TPE earnings. But, um, yeah, I think D-line's pretty cool. And we got a, we got a few really cool uh, defensive linemen in Orange County. So uh, shout-out to Big Ed, shout-out to Rapid Eagle. Um, yeah. Um, and shout out to all the, the shout out to all the O linemen out there. Definitely, uh, I definitely get those uh, the uh, the feeling of being a little bit um, undervalued as uh, someone that played offensive line all through high school. Um, and definitely, as a running back in the NFL, I couldn't do my job without you. So keep uh, keep keeping on, Haas. Um, yeah, thanks for that first question. Tesla's second question here is uh, you chose what college to play for, go Huskies. Uh, both Tesla's and I's players, um, Tesla and I's players played for the University of Washington in the uh, the meta canon of the NSFL. Um, so yeah, great connection there. Uh, so you, you chose what college you play for, but how happy you are with, your pa- with the path taken overall. I know the honors were in the top five for your destinations, but have you enjoyed the teams that have drafted you to date? Yeah, I've been so happy with my experience in the NSFL so far. Um, I picked UW. Uh, I picked University of Washington because it kind of fit for my character, or for my uh, for my player. And um, I know a little bit about um, the University of Washington. My brother has been going there um, as of uh, having just finished classes there last semester, but. Um, yeah, I think if I, I, I don't, I don't really pay too much attention to college football, honestly. Um, if I was going to be a fan of any team, it'd probably be Boise State. Uh, my mom has a lot of family from there, so all of my memories about college football are really tied up in visiting family over there and having football events going on. I remember being with a bunch of people watching that uh, Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma uh, as a really young pretty young gosh I, I was pretty young at that time um and remembering a little bit about those plays um and i think boise state's always been a really cool program but uh that's just me being more i guess that's me uh sharing more sentimental experiences about football so i should get to the actual question which was how have you enjoyed or have you enjoyed the teams that have drafted you to date uh yeah i really loved being with the pythons i'm loving being continuing to be a part of that organization and continuing to root on the team and trying to help where I can with sim testing or helping in the war room. I'm excited for this next draft when I can actually participate in the kind of process of interviewing and helping with the draft. So yeah, that's been exciting. Uh, I love being a part of Portland. I think Portland for the last 
several seasons has been this kind of like like undervalued and like disrespected team um i want to say kind of an underdog but like i think portland's performed pretty well um for their expectations um i just think people keep like devaluing and kind of demeaning portland i think we've seen that a lot last season and i don't know what that i don't know what that is but i i know portland has a strong organization with a lot of great people in that locker room and we have a really cool um s23 class that's been really exciting to see come in um so shout out to a lot of the, the s23 guys in portland um whether that's uh mcgriddle or um joe fish um i don't want to call out everybody but a lot of great guys in there that have been really cool to get to know um and were really cool when i was looking through my when i was doing my dsfl mock draft some of my favorite players uh in researching that ended up going to portland so i think uh conoco and air crew did a really good job of of picking up really cool people to join the portland locker room so that's been really exciting um, and yeah, otters were, I think otters, otters were, I think an A tier team, um, after my first edit in the, uh, in the draft destinations article that I put up, which was, I, I want to say that was a couple weeks before the draft happened. Um, I, I know we had a significant barrier between then. Uh, and the draft and my rankings definitely changed because I I, I was super invested I, I think I think if I was gonna re-rank those teams which like I mean hell let me actually pull that up right now if I can actually find that article but if I was gonna re-rank my teams I think overall the point of it is that um, Orange County definitely would have been number one on those rankings if I was making those the day before the draft. So my S tier when I published was Honolulu and Colorado. I don't think Colorado really ended up taking our running back. So I think they'll end up taking a player like uh, um, Faded. Early draft, early S23 NSFL draft predictions. Faded Nicholas Ayers to Colorado Yeti. That's what I'm saying. I still think Colorado is a great team and would have been a great destination. I probably would have kept them in S tier. Honolulu, um, I think it came a little bit clear more as things go, were going on that they were pretty interested in White Goodman. Um, he's changed his name now, but I'm not going to ever remember it. Um, but Gucci. Um, and Gucci's a great guy, and honestly, I didn't I didn't ever really think I was going to compete with him being a veteran and having an advantage on me in... Um, TPE, maybe that's not the most important thing, but I think he had the edge on me experience as well, so that, that definitely a little bit more important. Um, and yeah, Honolulu got a great person there, so I think maybe Honolulu would slip a little bit in my rankings, as would Sarasota. I was really invested on the idea of joining an expansion team, and I think that would have been really cool to be a marquee player for uh, a new team in the league, but... Um, I think it should have been maybe a little bit more clear that um, the kind of role that I would want to have and the kind of uh, player that I would want to be in the league, I don't think I would necessarily be able to do that with an expansion franchise. I think um, 
let's let's see. If I was going to re-rank the teams just before it, I think it would have been one Orange County, two Yellowknife Wraiths, three Colorado, four Honolulu, five Austin. I really don't like Austin's branding. I'm sorry, Austin. I was trying to be a little bit more amicable about it before the draft because I wanted to be open to the idea of me coming to Austin. They ended up grabbing Keishwa Jones, who's a house hour, another great running back in the draft. Um, and Yellow and I ended up grabbing Skyline right after me. So um, I was I was super happy with the result of the draft. Um, just after I got to talk with Laser more, and um, I, I, Orange County was pretty low on my draft, really just because... Um, and they were originally in D tier, and they moved up to A tier. I think I should speak a little bit about how easily they were able to move up in my rankings. Um, it was just because they hadn't contacted me at that point, and I needed something to some reason to put teams low. Um, and I didn't really know too much about Orange County, but the more I got to know about Orange County and the players that are there, the more excited and the more invested I was on the idea of going to Orange County. Um, I... Um, I made a graphic, which you can look at. It's one of my signatures, um, but it's one of my most recent pro posts in my profile if you want to look at it, because um, I'm pretty proud of it. Um, but I published it the morning after the draft. I, I think I published it the morning after the draft, but I had it done the night of the draft. Um, and that's because I went in the night before the draft and um, made the signature without even knowing what team I was going to be on. I just made all the cutouts and put in all the color filters, and I was like, I can change these colors pretty easily after the draft to, um, I can change the color filters, and I can change like the name of the team in the text layer super easily after the draft is, or uh, after I've been drafted, wherever I ended up going. But, um, yeah, I needed... I needed to test some colors to make sure that all the filters were working as I wanted to, and uh, I tested orange and white and brown, so um, I think it was pretty clear to me at that point that that's um, the place that I was, um, if not fully consciously, at least subconsciously, really, really wanting to go to, so super excited to be in Orange County. Um, definitely kind of the, maybe the opposite of uh, Portland in some ways. Whereas I think Portland is a team that's not always um, appreciated as much as they should be, or, or, or gets kind of the, the respect that they should. I think Orange County is this kind of um, evil empire, kind of New England Patriots-esque kind of team that um, is known for bringing in a lot of hardware and being this really big dynasty throughout the league history. So um, I've always hated the Patriots, but it's really interesting being on the inside of an organization kind of like that. Um, I definitely don't think we're the same way in as much as, like, um, you know, you hear things about culture in, uh, in um, New England and how strict, like, rules and culture is, but um, definitely the same way in the kind of way that other teams uh, treat you, and uh, it's pretty cool, honestly. It's pretty cool for people to, like, oh, no, you're too good, and you have too many championships, you suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I can't wait to hear what they're saying when we win the championship this season. So, uh, get hecked. Um, thanks for that question. Tesla's last question here is, uh, what has been your favorite point task this far? 
which was a really interesting question because it uh, led me to kind of look over the point tasks and what we've done so far. Um, even though I've kind of I kind of um, removed those um, any kind of ideas I had about the point tasks from my uh, memory, just just as far as like get the point tasks done and get the that TPE is all that I've really approached it with. Um, but I think they're really interesting. I think maybe there should be more investment in um, actually reading through these because there's a lot of good stuff uh, that people put out because they're kind of forced to. <laughs> um, but there's been a lot of good point tasks. Um, looking over it, I think um, an early point task that I had a lot of fun with was the Hall of Fame point task. That was week one of S21, so I didn't really know much of anything about the league at that point. So it was really cool to go through. I ended up making a graphic because I didn't know enough information to, to pick somebody and be like, this person needs to be a Hall of Famer. But I made a, um, I made a graphic on Verso Lalto, the, uh, the uh, Wing of Honor tight end from Baltimore. Um, after reading um, that user's post, it's... Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's like Nunquepi's post. That's definitely a, 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 a rigorous bastardization of that name, but um, get a more pronounceable name. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool point task, and I enjoyed being able to read through different people talking about players that I never interacted with and um, getting to see all of the great careers that people have had and the, the effort that people have put in to participate in the league. Um, and another great point task uh, that I think should be shouted out was um, S21's Ultimus Week tasks. I think there was a lot of good tasks. Uh, I really enjoyed the, um, I don't remember what the exact title and text of the um, point task was, but it was, um, it was about um, I think it was about awards. I think it was about who who's deserving of an award, and I think it was really cool to uh, see who people were talking about. I got the chance to talk a little bit about more about Zamir, because um, I do think Zamir honestly got snubbed for defensive back of the year last season in the DSFL. Uh, I think there were some really great performances at um, defensive back. Um, and I'm not going to be mad about the people that the person that ended up getting the award because I think they definitely deserve it um, as much as Zamir did. But um, I think Zamir got really undervoted, um, maybe given some character things. Maybe it's kind of a TO kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Zamir led the league in interceptions. Uh, the DS fell in interceptions last season, and um, his other his other numbers were pretty low in comparison. I think it has a lot to do with how much of a lockdown player that Zamir was for the team. I think is, is somebody that was pay, maybe paying more attention than some of the voters were to uh, Portland's games. You could really see how um, Zamir was impacting every at, at every time, was impacting the play every time that he was on the field, even if that didn't show up statistically. Um, you know, I think it's the same kind of reason that, that safeties tend to get snubbed in the um, in the defensive back of the year, kind of because those stats just look, they don't look as um, as um, impactful as the cornerback stats might look right off the bat. Um, but yeah, 
I don't know. Zamir Kalo, I think, was as, as deserving of the defensive back of the year award last season as anybody. Um, and it was cool to see other people kind of arguing for different players and different awards as well. Another good point task in that Ultimates week that I participated in well as well was like uh, your playoffs MVP or playoffs performer. And I got the chance to shout out a kicker, um, even though that player has now um, gone inactive. Um, still, it was good for me to look at the games critically and like think of the players that were making the biggest impact. And uh, that kicker put up like... That kicker put up like 80% of Myrtle Beach's points uh, during the playoffs or something. It was ridiculous. That kicker was putting up so many points. And like, the offense was doing a lot to put them in position, but they were make they were, they were almost perfect on all of their kicks. Um, I think they were. I think they missed one extra point through the playoffs and that was it. Uh, but otherwise they put up a crazy amount of points. So, uh, shout out to kickers. I think a position like... Um, kind of like offensive line that gets a little bit um underappreciated so uh shout out to alex d i think the somebody's gonna have to maybe talk about this but i I feel like i'm one of the only people that can pronounce alex d's last name which is das wirklich seinachname um i don't know i just i see it as alex d all over the place and i just wish people would um put some spec on that German name, you know? Um, yeah, Tesla says, thank you for your time and hope you have a delightful day. And I definitely am so far. Today's actually the day right after my birthday. So it was a little bit weird to have the birthday in the quarantine, but um, I was able to talk to uh, and have kind of a uh, Zoom party with uh, people in the family and my girlfriend. So still had a really good day and still had a good time with uh, everybody in my life that I care about. So that's what a birthday should be for so having a good day today you know just keeping it pretty relaxed and having a good time i had a really good time uh, recording this podcast let's um i'm just gonna reload to check in that nobody else dropped any questions so i don't miss anybody here and uh nope that um that should wrap it up for our questions here uh, i've just ticked over an hour here so it um honestly perfect timing um Yeah, what's going on the rest of the week in the league? Four weeks of DSFL football that are really going to start shaping up what the DSFL season is going to look like this season. So uh, definitely look out for what's going on there. Um, Some really important games for uh, the NSFL this season as well. Um, Orange County has kind of a week off the rest of the week. Um, Let's look at some other teams. New Orleans has to go uh, New Orleans is away this whole week that's going to be tough on them they have to go to Honolulu and then go to Sarasota so uh, I think those games are going to be maybe a little bit more interesting than people are expecting Um, Austin is really going to be looking to try and rebound here they have to go away to San Jose which is going to be a tough game on Wednesday and then they have Philadelphia at home um I'm really interested to see where Philadelphia go. I always... I feel like Philadelphia is a bit of a slippery team where they kind of win games that I don't expect them to win, but then lose games that I expect them to win. But they've had a pretty good season. They uh, get... They have... Tough week for them as well, because they have um, the Yellowknife Wraiths at home and then have to go to Austin. So tough tough week for them as well. Uh, I kind of went over Colorado's season later they really don't have a lot of tough matchups this season 
So look for them to keep pushing this um, win streak the rest of the week until they face Orange County next Monday. And that, sh that streak is obliterated. Um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting week of simulated football. Um, I shouted them out in the... Um, either in the YouTube chat or in the Discord chat, I don't remember. But um, definitely want to do it again, because Colabear, the NSFL streamer... I know there's a few people that are like, I don't really like the music choice, and I get that. Um, I think that the chill music is really... Uh, I, don't, I just I don't know what kind of music you'd pair up with a simulated football game. I don't know. Maybe it'd be more interesting to see Cola Bear mix up that uh, that music, but so far I've really enjoyed it, and I've really enjoyed seeing how uh, his streams have been progressing from the DSFL up to the NSFL, and talking to him and seeing all the work that he's put into the assets and look of the stream. And um, yeah, really happy with it and really proud of all the work that he's put in. And um, yeah, that guy's done just a really great job. So I think Cola Bear deserves some recognition here at the end of the podcast. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and cut off here. Um, just to keep this digestible here and uh, because I'm out of questions and I want to just keep rambling about the leak so I will see everybody at the end of the season after the Orange County Otters have taken the trophy home and uh, you are all crying on your couches at home and uh, yeah pretty easy so good luck with the rest of your meaningless seasons and uh, stay questionable <laughs>